dear chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. Welcome back. I still cannot believe it's November or Movember. If you're a firefighter and participating in these crazy facial hair fun this month, which we all decided uh, is the worst month ever for being a firewife. <laughs> Today we're chatting with Scott Hewlett from Multiple Calls Podcast. Welcome, Scott. Hey. Good to have you. No, I'm glad to be here. I just really got to give you kudos and compliment you guys for putting this together and doing this. I think it's a incredible thing. It's an important aspect of the job. And, uh, you know, this is really a, a family an all family industry. So I think it's great that you're tackling this and uh, I really enjoy what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Scott is a second generation firefighter working in Ontario, Canada, all the way from Canada guys. <laughs> He's done technical rescue, primary care medics, fire training officer, and co-led the peer support team for the past decade. Scott started the podcast, his podcast in 2017, providing a conduit for the great people in the departments and beyond to tell their stories. So that's, nutshell. that's you in a nutshell, huh? Let's talk about you. Tell us a bit. Um, tell us more about you. Tell us a little bit more. Okay. Um, I'm the father of two girls. Uh, they're eight and 11, always keeping me on my toes. Um, that's, that's a really, uh, enjoyable part of my life is, is being a father. It's, it's great. I love it. Um, work is, uh, yeah, work has always been good to me. It's been, it's given me more than it's ever hurt me. Let's put it that way. So I try and put it in that perspective that there obviously are some costs that come with it, but it's, it's given me so much so i'm incredibly grateful for it um i'm happy with the path that it's taken i was uh, i had the goal of yeah working as a part-time medic for a number of years i did that before the girls were born i'm glad i did that it helped me see uh the job and caring for people and helping people um in um you know from different perspectives and also gave me a, a whole other skill set uh, so i'm really glad i ventured down that path um yeah, and then working, you know, I did some years at, at Tech Rescue. Uh, I'm probably a decade removed from that now, so a lot has changed since then. I, I would have to go back to the the books and be the rookie again if I ever went back into that. But uh, that was a, those were great years of my career. I've mostly been at two truck stations with a, a ladder and a pumper, um, or an aerial and a pumper, as we call it. And you guys called them engines and engines and ladders. I'm trying to get my jargon correct. We call them engines and tillers and ladders and I don't know, rescues. And yeah. Yeah. Especially with the podcast, I've had to, you know, make sure I'm uh, using the correct jargon and <laughs> I'm speaking. Right. Uh, yeah. So the, the podcast, uh, well, I guess, I guess I should step back a little bit. 
Um, I did go into our training division for three and a half years. That was a great experience as well uh, to really dive into the job deeper and mostly realize what I didn't know about the job and what I should have known a long time before that. Uh, work with some great people. I was able to institute uh, what I feel is some really positive and lasting changes. Um, spent a number of years as a shift instructor, as you know, EMR, live fire. Uh, while I was in the training division, obviously teaching recruit classes and then you know teaching everything uh, fire related, ventilation and firefighter rescue and survival and writs, etc. Um, I haven't really dive deep into the auto X world. Obviously I've been on those trucks here and there and I, uh, I know my way around it, but I wouldn't call myself, uh, uh, an expert in that. Um, and I've kind of, uh, expertly avoided hazmat. <laughs> it's not really my wheelhouse. Uh, I love every aspect of the job and I'm really glad that there's, you know, there are people that love all these aspects of the job. So some of us can focus on others. Uh, shout out to all the hazmat people. <laughs> um yeah and then the podcast came from actually when i was in the training division and teaching recruit classes and a, a number of people mentioned uh you know hey if you this is when i, I wasn't really into podcasts i i didn't i lived really close to home i was seven minutes from work um so i didn't i was really late to the party and then i moved about an hour and a bit north and wanted to obviously use my time in a valuable way as opposed to just listening to music, which is valuable, but in its own right, I found like I had this time to sit and listen to, to something. So I started looking into podcasts and found a few fire uh, ones that are around around fire and, you know, call those guys and talk to them about it and realize that there was a niche that I could maybe possibly fill. Yeah. And these uh, people, the recruits had said, you know, you got, if you did a podcast, I would listen. And that was sort of a seed in my mind. So uh, one thing led to another and a, a few, uh, you know, really great happenstances. And I just jumped into it like you both did. And here we are. So I think there's room in the pool for as many people as possible. So I just love to see more and more podcasts popping up and us all being able to listen to each other and have conversations. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And now we're here. I think it's been, I mean, it's, I know it's a great outlet for Chelsea and I, so I think it's a good outlet for you guys and, um, and gals. Um, and I, I love it. I mean, I don't think we were super podcasty prior to us starting our own podcast to look at Chelsea's like, uh, no. Uh, time for Chelsea. Chelsea does not listen to anybody else's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Except mine. We do. Yeah. For research purposes, we do now. Okay. But um, yeah, you won't catch Chelsea on them. I I listen to them actually a lot now, but it's, it's fascinating actually, because each one kind of has their own little, like you were saying, their own little niche. And um, it's always kind of fascinating to hear from another, you know, perspective. So um, this will be fun to hear the perspective from Canada. I should clarify I will listen to a episode. I do not subscribe and listen regularly. Oh, there you oh. go. But if okay. somebody points me at one that I they think I might find interesting, I will listen to it. Um, but I just don't. I just don't subscribe to any. I'll just send you one a day from episode one all the way to forty, and so you can. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> I might actually listen to it then, like from start to finish. <laughs> I guess the last piece I'd add, I, I sort of left out there is that, you know, we were talking briefly about it before we started recording here is just the importance of mental health. So I've always been a, 
very interested in mental health and have had my own struggles and my own journey. Um, I feel like I've come out the other side in a big way after a long, long time. Uh, obviously, it's always ongoing and growing. So uh, that's always been important to me and especially how this job affects people, how they come into the job, all aspects of that. So uh, the podcast and, you know, the social media, I've sort of been trying to use that as this force for good to also, uh, you know, normalize and, and just really talk about that because it affects everything. Absolutely. That's, that's our why as well. Just normalizing conversations around mental health and staying healthy and being just better human beings in general, I think, um, is the goal and the purpose. So hats off to you. Yeah. Good. Good for you too. And definitely send me one of those episodes a week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's dive in. Um, we want to talk about your 50 rules of senior firefighting that you have up on your website. Uh, I'm like super intrigued of how that came about. And, um, yeah, so let's start there. Let's start with how did the 50 rules of fire senior firefighting come to be? Okay. Um, yeah, so my department doesn't have lieutenants. Uh, so like I, I know a lot of the American departments, you know, you have your firefighter role and then you have a lieutenant, which is sort of a step, a stepping stone to get to a captain and then you can move up from there. But we don't have that. Um, and senior firefighter also isn't a official title, although it is one that a lot of people assume whether they should or they shouldn't. It is a thing, right? And it, it is still is a, a role, I think, that's understood uh, across the services, no matter where you're from. Um, yeah, I guess just from mentoring uh, a number of rookies over the years and newer firefighters and that, you know, being becoming good at that uh, also came from being in the training division and, and really diving into how to teach and, you know, and then doing a lot. Like I was never a public speaker. If you would have you know asked me if I would have done a podcast, you know, 15 years ago, I would have thought you were crazy. Like it was never my thing. I just sort of, you know, forced myself into that discomfort zone when I was doing talking about mental health and, you know, and then you're talking to your, your audience, your peers. So I think it was a little bit safer. And then I think then that segued into be able to talk to bigger audiences and sort of get get past that fear. So, um, yeah. So then I think I sort of honed the craft, I guess, uh, I still am, but how to understand your audience, what they need, uh, helping them understand, helping them grow and learn, like meeting them where they are. Uh, so doing that with rookies. Uh, and there was a lot of lists on the, you know, the top 100 rules for rookies. You can find a lot of those around, which are extremely valuable. Uh, but from what I was able to find, I, I didn't see any that for the senior firefighter, which is kind of a, like I said, it, it it's, it's not a role that, it's defined and really like one of the rules is that it's bestowed on you. It's not something that you just, you say you are, it should be a, a way that people view you. Right. And it's a way that you then um, accept that and, and own that and how you embody it and how you interact with people. And it's sort of always there in the background, right. You understanding what your role is. Um, and then the power that comes with that, there's no power as in being able to tell people what to do, which really shouldn't come from any, you know, a lot of leadership things shouldn't be in focused on telling people what to do. The power is then like, okay, well, I have a responsibility now to live up to whatever you feel I am. How do I influence you in a positive way? How do I give you what you need? How do I help you grow? And then that betters us working together as a team. So 
um, just from the conversations that I would have with rookies, and this is one of the, the rules as well, is I always wanted to set the tone with them in a proper perspective that they would understand that there is responsibility on their part. There are expectations on them. But I think as a rookie, you can come in and think that all the expectations are on you. And as you've been on longer, there's no expectation, the expectations ease. So they may look at someone in my position and think, well, you don't have any pressure on you whatsoever anymore. And eventually one day I'll get there. And that is actually the farthest from the truth. So I think giving them that aha moment, I've seen the light bulb go on. Like there's actually more expectation on me than there is on you. Cause I have no excuses anymore. And you, you have all the excuses. So you're not expected yeah. to know everything when you go on calls and, and be perfect, but I am expected to, to know almost all of it and, and perform to that level. So just so you know, right. That's how I see myself. That's what's on me. And this, this idea of expectations on you and an easing over time is actually not true and you better settle into it because it's only going to increase as time goes on so then from that i think there are a few other rules that were you know sort of conversations with rookies and and then i realized there wasn't one for senior firefighters so i almost wanted to make the list for myself okay what do i see this as how do i see this role what are my rules um which i just you know try to, to live up to they're anchors and you can't always be perfect but they're at least that guide guiding light um, yeah. and then ran it by a lot of people that I respect. And there was a lot of editing and hum, you know, humming and hawing and back and forth. And finally, I just brought it down to this and here we are. That's, I, I don't even know where to start. Um, that's totally freaking awesome. So you already answered one of our questions, Perfect. <laughs> so yeah. we're just going to like blow right through this. That's why I'm here. <laughs> we want to break it down. We want to unpack the 50 rules. And um, we kind of talked about this prior to recording that the 50 rules can be broken down into topics, um, how we should define the title of a senior firefighter, life and responsibilities around the station, how to properly train and mentor others, self-care and pillars of health, responding to calls, on calls, promoting integrity, ego, and abuse of power and status, and making change in the station department and the service. You already defined the role of a firefighter. Um, so I think let's just dive into the life and responsibilities around the station and go from there. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, as far as responsibilities around, around the station, um, I don't think you're ever really exempt from all chore duties. Right. I, again, this was another thing that I ran by with the, the, the rookies and, and the recruits is that, you know, yes, there are going to be uh, duties and tasks around the hall that are sort of more geared towards you like that. That's your role. And the way I frame that for them is, um, you know, it's kind of what you have to offer initially coming in. Uh, you're going to be getting a lot of stuff from us uh, and it's sort of early and easy thing that you can do to start contributing to, to being part of the team. Um, so if you end up doing bathrooms, you know, the majority of the time, uh, you know, and we do the garbages once in a while or whatever those little menial tasks are, uh, that's just kind of the way it is. And it's okay. And you should just embrace it. Right. Um, it's not the, I'm, I've been all longer than you. That's not my job anymore. That's your job. That's not the way I, I kind of perceive it. And again, I try and frame them, frame it for them from my perspective. Like, there are other things that I am doing uh, that you probably aren't aware of that are that are helping maybe the crew on a larger uh, 
in a larger picture, maybe helping the platoon or the department or maybe even the service, right? So as you go on in years, you should be helping on, on larger, uh, grander scale uh, levels. So that kind of stuff is, is happening all the time. So um, senior firefighters, you know, you're not exempt from all chores and there are ones that are scheduled every, you know, that are for each day and we all participate in those. So you should never be that guy that just sits on the couch and you don't do any of the chores whatsoever. And you should help cook and you should help clean. You should uh, help get groceries. You should participate in all these things. Um, so that's important, right? And it's also humbling. And you're also still are a firefighter and you're not in this defined role like a captain that they have, you know, more set down things that they have to get done each day and they have responsibilities. So then they don't have the time to do these other menial tasks. You still are wearing a blue shirt. You still need to get in there and get your hands dirty. So that's how I see sort of the work around the hall. And then, uh, you know, as a senior firefighter, I think life around the hall, as far as crew dynamics go, you can really help set the tone, right? So uh, as captains and, and they do as well, and you can support the captains in, in keeping to that, that proper tone. So here's the flow of our days, right? This is what we do. And we work out, we exercise. It's incredibly important. It doesn't matter what you know, skill and technique wise, if you can't actually perform those duties when you're on calls because you're unfit, then it doesn't even make a difference. So it all starts there, right? Um, you set the tone on self-care, you set the tone on how we train and what we drill on, what's important, you know, what kind of conversations you have, if they can come to you and talk to you about things. So that's life around the hall. I think that's the senior firefighter role and how you can, again, have that power and influence in a positive way for everybody. Okay, so <clears throat> since you already touched on it, let's talk about self-care and health and mentoring <laughs> properly in those arenas. Um, because I think a lot of times we get self-care wrong. Like a lot of people have a misconception about what self-care is and we talk a lot about it on the podcast. Um, but we never really talk about what that looks like at the station for the firefighter or the captain, um, <laughs> the senior firefighter, um, because it's different for you guys than it is for us at home. I think. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. And then there's also these unique things that are different, uh, that would be different for doctors, different for nurses, different for pilots, Right. We there's are these nuances, but I think it's important if you're going to touch on that. I think it's important that we mention that very often firefighters want to think we're super unique and super different than everyone else. And so then all of a sudden we have we're exempt from a lot of rules and or or that certain rules apply to us that don't apply to other people. And I think that's the farthest again, the farthest thing from the truth. I think we're human beings. <laughs> doesn't matter what you do, a lot of the same things apply. And uh, I think sometimes that whole, well, we're different, we're unique, we're so special, you know, that can really tie into ego. And, and that can also be used as an excuse to kind of uh, get out of and dismiss uh, behaviors uh, and the way you uh, operate in your life, the way you interact with people. It can use as almost an excuse, right? Well, I'm a shift worker. Well, I'm a firefighter. Well, I see this. So I'm allowed almost you're getting is getting this get it a jail free car to be able to behave a certain way because of all those things when that's not true, right? You have just as much responsibility to, to take care of yourself um, and really uh, process and deal with what you, you know, see on the job and also what you're with, what you're dealing with at home. So one of the things I've always said with uh, as far as mental health goes, is that a lot of people say that I, I leave work at work when I, when I go home, but you never hear anybody say I leave home at home. 
right? So how many of us have been at work and thinking about stuff that's going on at home? And so you can't tell me that you leave work at work, right? You are, you are living a fluid, consistent existence and your brain does not, you don't have a flip switch that you can say, I'm at work now and I'm at, I'm at home now and I have two different existences. They're, they're one and the same. You are processing everything in that fluid existence. So let's stop with that um, diatribe and, you know, let's get down to what it actually is. Yeah. Can you I say that louder for the people in the back? Right. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> say that it louder. Got a, that got a reaction. Amen. Yeah. That got a reaction. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you for stating that fact is complete bullshit. I appreciate you 100% for that. Yes. That, that's Chelsea what, and I that's can agree completely. Just one more time mm-hmm. for the people in the back. What did yeah. you just say? You, you can't leave work at work. Yep. Doesn't yep. happen. Yep. Yep. So you can, you can leave the stuff that you deal with at work to process on your own and process with certain people, but you need to have the conscious effort to process that stuff. So it doesn't have to be with your wife or your spouse or your partner, um, but it has to be with somebody and it doesn't have to be with a therapist. Uh, a lot of us want to avoid that too. Uh, sometimes we avoid dealing with the people that are actually going to be the most effective in helping us. <laughs> So we say, well, I just talked to my buddies about it. It's like, well, I mean, your buddies know a bit here and there, but they're not going to be able to really help you with a lot of the stuff you have to deal with. So uh, we go to the we go to these experts for a lot of things. We go to doctors, we go to dentists, we go to mechanics, we go to chiropractors. But for some reason, we all think we can deal with uh, you know the most complicated organ in the known universe in our own consciousness on our own. Yes. And again, I'm going to call BS on that too because you can't. So 100. Yeah. Yeah, we need to have these conversations. Yep. A um, mental health therapist is completely different than talking to your friend about it. Completely yeah, yeah. different. They and are- uh, and talk about pillars of health, right? So you have your, your physical health and this is a misnomer too, right? Where we think mental health and physical health are two different things and they're one and the same thing. Like it's, it's, it's that, they call it dualistic thinking or dualism, where we think the mind is somehow separate from the body. But if you ever had butterflies, you're going to talk because you're going to talk in front of somebody. Well, that's a thought giving a, a physical reaction. And if you've ever been physically injured and they had depression sort of or anxiety or worry because of that injury, well, now you're having a mental uh, reaction to a physical thing. So you're, you're one integrated system. And the more we see ourselves as integrated systems and treat ourselves that way and understand it's all linked, I think the, the better we're going to be. So uh, yeah, but we, I mean, it helps to in discussions to break it into say physical, mental, spiritual, cognitive. Um, and you got to see those as the pillars of your life, right? The pillars of you as a person. And then, you, you know, your life's a puzzle piece and work is part of it, but then you have family and then you have friends and, um, you know, uh, there's all these other pieces that go together to making you who you are. So the more we can take that macro views very often to sort of, okay, what, what are all the pieces that make me who I am? And then, you know, you go down to the micro level whenever you can, and you have the capacity to, you know, investigate these areas and these micro levels and then deal with whatever ones you need to uh, whenever you can manage it. I think that's when you're going to be at your best. Um, And lastly, like, well, not lastly, we could talk forever on this one topic, but uh, it's really important for firefighters to know that you know, the, and the Navy SEALs have figured this out. So if you want to play the macho card, that's, you know, let's, let's just go there with that. We're going to get, we're going to get talking about gender later on, but usually when guys think about Navy SEALs, they have this stereotypical picture where they picture as a Navy SEAL, which is this rough and tough macho guy. So that's why I'm using it. Um, they've, they've figured out that, you know, mentally 
you know, all the armed forces way ahead of us. They're figuring out that the dealing with your cognitive, mental, spiritual, all those aspects of yourself, that actually makes you a better operator. So the best firefighters are the ones that have the opportunity to be at their best, actually address all these parts of themselves and don't ignore part. Um, so they have a stronger foundation underneath them. And if you tie your identity to one thing and deny these other areas, then it's only a matter of time before you're going to crumble. You know that we agree with you when both of us unmute at the exact same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, maybe we should start videoing so people can see when we go. <gasps> yeah, it's like, I don't even know what to, like, to compare it to. It's like uh, Jeopardy or something. I don't know. <laughs> buzzer, the buzzer. Like. <laughs> right? You see it. Scott, oh, you're on fire man. right now. Oh my gosh. Holy moly. Yes, I would have to agree with you on the Navy steel aspect of things. That is the ultimate macho man, right? Like every guy looks at that and goes, that's what I want to be when I grow up, right? Yeah. So if we want to be that when we grow up, then we need to grow up and understand that addressing all these parts of ourselves is, is what they do. So, I mean, that's what, yeah. that's what hell, that's what hell week's all about, right? Hell week. And, you know, the army in general is about breaking, and this is the physical being tied to the mental. They literally exhaust you to the limit. And what that does is it tears down all these layers that you put on yourself of identity of what you think you are, because, you know, and Jordan Peterson talks a lot about this. There's a lot of um, work around uh, understanding suffering. Like we all suffer. And when you suffer long enough, right? It tears all that protective stuff you have on you down. And then, then you find out who you are. Yep. And for a lot of people, if they don't even know what they are when they reach the bottom, well, then well, that's where the military is going to give you what you are. Yep. Right. So yep. you either, you can do this for yourself. You don't have to do it at a hell week level, but this is what this is all about, right? This is about a really looking at all these layers you have on yourself, peeling them all away, not being afraid to do it, seeing what you're really made of. Right. And then hopefully in a healthy way, rebuilding, right? Yeah. And a lot of people avoid that because ego gets in the way, right? Your ego of who you've been for all the, your entire existence. You know, I, the other thing I'll, I'll mention to people often is that you don't know you can feel different until you feel different. Yes. So, so yes. It, it, and we only ever really drive towards a, a new existence or go after something when, until we feel it. Like you didn't know, you didn't know what being in love felt like. Well, we're still trying to figure out most of us what being in love actually feels like. But I'm going to use this as an example. The first time you ever realized that you felt you were in love, it's like you can't undo that. You're out of the matrix now. Like You can't go back in. Like You now feel what that is. And then now you're chasing it for the rest of your life like, a, like an addict in a lot of ways. Yep. Which is the unhealthy way to go after it. But you get what I'm saying. Like Once you feel it, you feel it. And you can't unfeel that. So the thing is, when you really have, it's like this leap of faith. It's a leap of faith to try and move towards a new way of being. And what you're struggling with is your ego trying to keep you the way you are because it's comfortable. It doesn't want to die. So for me, it's, it sounds a little morbid. So, so um, being willing to die is different than wanting to die. I got to front load that with this, but I had to be willing to think I'm willing for to die in, in, a, in almost in a cognitive spiritual, whatever sense in the, in the hopes of, um, you know, getting to this new person, this new way of being, I had to mourn the loss of old ways and old behaviors, and old thought patterns in order to make room for the new. 
Um, Jordan Peterson talks a lot about this, about you're in, you know, you have to venture into chaos and then, you know, you know, pendulum swing back into order. And we're always sort of going between chaos and order. So it's scary, right? It's all about fear. It's all fear-based, all ego-based. Like you don't want to go into that fear-based place. You're afraid because you don't know what's new and what's coming. So you want to keep a hold of all that comfort, even though it's just, it's uncomfortable. So, but once you really have that leap of faith and you just do the things, no matter like even whether you want to or not, this is the same thing with working out. You work out once, you don't go look in the mirror and then go, why don't I have muscles yet? It's like, you know, it's going to suck for a long, long time. And then one day it's like, oh my God, look where I am. It's just kind of, you just arrive there like happiness, right? Happiness is, a, is something that happens to you and not something you choose to do based on these other behaviors. So for me, it's like this leap of faith. It's like, I don't know if any of this stuff I'm going to do is going to work. I just need to do all the things that people tell me, I guess I'm supposed to do. It's I'm trusting in these people that are directing me. I'm going to keep doing them. I'm going to fail often. I'm going to come back to it and just keep doing it. And eventually it's like, oh my God, you have this new feeling and you realize, oh, for me, it was anxiety. I had an anxiety level of four. I didn't realize it was always at a four. So whenever anything happened, I was pinning up to eight, nine, 10 until I you know, got a handle on things. And now all of a sudden I felt a zero for the very first time. I'm like, oh my God, this is what a zero feels like. This is what a zero feels like. So now I had this new baseline so that whenever I pinned up to a three or four or five, I'm like, oh, this is a three or four or five. And I could, I now my new baseline is a zero. So this is what I'm driving at with all of this is like, you have to do a lot of the things without even seeing any results or knowing even where it's going and letting go of that old you. And so it's messy, it's complicated. And we're all, we're trying to do this in real time while life is still going on and we're exhausted and we have kids and, 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 and. So it's, I don't want to, I, I really want to frame things like this in a realistic way and then not sort of minimize like, Oh, just, you know, just drink water and just exercise and just eat right. It's like, if we, if we did all the things we're supposed to do every single day to take care of ourselves, we wouldn't do anything else. It would be literally what you did all day is self-care. So you can't do all the things. You just need to find a few of the things that you can do and be consistent with them and then slowly adjust that over time. And it, I promise you, eventually you'll get to where you need to be, but you have to have this project management, long-term consistent, you know, head down kind of goal. And just just do the process, and eventually the goal is going to hit. You are currently motivating me so much. I am hundred percent here for this. Like, I want to know where the heck you've been all my life. Right? <laughs> like, why are you not on tour giving motivational speeches? Like, what the? <laughs> this is wow. Like. I had no idea when we booked you that this is how this conversation was going to go. Well, I mean, let, let's, let's just, let's just, uh, you know, <laughs> temper that a little bit with like, you know, everything I, you know, talk about is I've, this is with being a firefighter too. Like everything I'm talking about, I don't own, like, it's not mine. It's not me. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously filtering it through my brain and there's, there's certain flavors and aspects to it, but it's me, you know, consuming material over time. And it's from other people. Like I've been taught this by other people. So for me, I, I kind of frame it like I feel like an echo and an amplifier, right? I try and if something's good, I try and like find a way to echo it and amplify it. And that's a lot of the IG page for me is like, it's not a lot. It's not, there's not me on there a lot. It's very much about all the amazing stuff I see other people doing. And like, people need to see that. People need to see that. People need to see that. Like, where is it? Just give it to them all in one space so they can just come and see it. So it doesn't really, I was thinking about it actually this morning. It doesn't really do me well with the algorithm and, 
you know, how many likes and users I, I followers I get, whatever. Um, but I feel like it's the right way to approach it. So anyways, I, I, part of my thing in learning is learning how to take compliments. So I greatly appreciate what you're saying and that touches me deeply and, and it means a lot. Um, I just want to, again, I, I temper that with like giving credit where credit's due and it's all things that have been passed on to me. So um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Audra and I quite literally just two days ago, we're talking about humanizing the badge, right? Mm-hmm. And how the public gets this idea that these are heroes going to work every day. And that's what they are, right? But then when they come home and they shed the badge in the uniform, they're humans. We're humans underneath all of that stuff. And I think what you're talking about right now is just being a human being. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what's really remembering that. That's what's fascinated me about this job, and what's it's what it's it's been for me the uh, medium, right, or the and the catalyst to uh, challenge me, and then hopefully then you know realize how much it's benefited me. It's given me the opportunity, right? I could show I could have chosen to go a, a lot of different ways, and I and I had my dark dark times, right, and. Uh, um, you know, there was a time I didn't want to be on the planet anymore. Uh, and, and so I had to, you know, find myself in that dark place and, and work my way back out. And then we could have a whole other conversations about what that process is like, but yeah, this is the job giving me more than it's ever taken away. And, but it, this is what's fascinating me. This is what the podcast is all about too. It's about the human stories, but who are you underneath all this? And who are you even when you're at work underneath all this? Like, you're not a different person. You're the same person. I think for me, at least I'm, I'm grateful that I feel like I'm the same person, no matter where I am and who I'm talking to. I feel like I don't put on fronts and masks and change up the, who I am to sort of suit the place. Like you're getting me right now. You're getting me the way I am. This is the way I am um, every day. So that consistency I'm, I'm really proud of. Uh, but I think, and I think that's, what's fascinating me about this work is like getting people to realize that they are just them all the time. Yes. And then, and then how do we do this work? And then, and again, this is the reason why when you address these things about yourself, you're actually the best for the community. Like when I go and help people, I don't, I don't shut, I don't buffer a lot. I don't shut down. I don't disconnect. Like for me, the actual connection with people and having the, the piece of that come in uh, while I do the work, uh, that's why I do the work. So why would I discount that? And it's actually helped me process the calls afterwards because I can look back to be showing up in that emotional way and then realize that that was a really good thing of me to do for these people. And that's how I was there for them. And it helps me sort of balance out the graphicness or the intensity of the calls. So um yeah, I'm not sure where we even started with that, but this is how I, I work. I get down rabbit holes. We we started oh, about, we started we started with humanizing the badge. Yeah, that's humanizing that's where yeah. we started for sure. No, and, but- yeah. So how do I how do I show up uh, at work uh, in the same way that I am every day? So I kind of think, well, if I was fired tomorrow or let go or laid off or whatever, like I'm not gonna like this job just lets me be who I am every day. <laughs> and get paid for it. That's what this lets me do. And that's an incredible, it's a stroke of luck. Um, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful for that, the fact that this exists. Yeah. So um, how do I show up every day as myself? And yeah, so if, yeah, if I lost my job, I would still stop at accidents. I would still help people. I'd still be the same person I am. Uh, so I think that is the goal. If you If you feel that way between work and home, I think that's where we need to all strive to be. 
<laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of people that um, maybe don't take advantage of it, but don't really link the two and think they need to put on a different show when they're, when they have their uniform on and they have that badge on and they come home and they're a completely different person. And, you know, they wonder why they're struggling mentally or they wonder why they're not fitting in with the crew or when they're having a hard time at home, you need to be the same person you are everywhere all the time. You can't, you can't put on these masks. You can't put on these fronts. You can't act like a different person. It's, 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 going to come back to you. It's going to, it's going to haunt you forever. You have to be that, that human that you really were intended to be. Yeah. So the uh, tying back into the sort of senior firefighter or a mentor role or leadership aspect of it, if you really like, I can teach forcing doors and pulling hose and, uh, you know, flowing water, I like throwing ladders. I can teach those skills to almost anybody. The skill is the skill. But where you really, like when you get those people that are coachable and teachable, like overall, and they're already common sense people, they already, and you see that glimmer of like, oh, I see you. And I, we can, you know, you have no idea where we're going with, with this, you know, you and me in this job, like you're going to, I'm so happy that they're figuring there, they have the opportunity to figure things out, you know, 20 years ahead of when I figured it out, like <laughs> they're having the opportunity way earlier. Right. So you see this, this glimmer of, of how they can grow and. Um, and this is where that leadership comes in. If you can, this is what you want to teach them through all these other skills you're doing. Uh, and I think what you're talking about is just like, you know, you have people that are in mentor training roles that should, or leadership roles that should never be there. They should not be in those roles. And they have no idea how to talk to people. They have no idea even maybe even about themselves. And they're literally spitting bullshit that they were taught and they were taught and they were taught and you just hand the bullshit torch, you know, down the line. So this is just change. This is just switching it up and make no mistake. Like the way where I say, I would say I align with these people and where, where I think that they're right. So let's find common ground. Is this, this, this game is not, or sorry, this job is not a game. This is not a joke, right? So I'm all about, you know, uh, accepting everybody and we all need to, to to bring our strengths to the team but there is a commonality of of what you need to be I think out of the gate when you take this job and then what you have the opportunity to grow into and this is where I'll, I'll also say for every anybody no matter who you are this job isn't for everybody right and it may not be for you and that doesn't mean you're not a really good person that doesn't mean you wouldn't make an amazing whatever else fill in the blank but I'm not a pediatric surgeon for a reason and I'm not an astronaut for a reason or an F-14 fighter pilot or whatever. I'm not these things, even though I might have the dream of doing them just because it's my dream doesn't mean I should have it. So we need to have that temper everything with like accepting everybody with people need to realize, are you actually meant to do this or are you not? Do you have the capacity to grow into doing this or can you not? And, and with this, we don't always have the, the luxury of, you know, you start day one, 7 a.m. We don't have the luxury of you not being suited for the job at all because the call is coming and your worst call might come day one. So this is not a joke. This is not a game. We need to be honest with what the job is and what it requires. There are people that are suited to be on that journey and there are people that are not. And that is okay. Like, yes. So I think we need to, that humanizes things too. So, yes. um, 
yeah I'm not sure how we got down that rabbit hole there again, but there we are. I feel, <laughs> like, it just, I feel like a bobblehead right now. That's yeah. all. Yeah. It's just, it's like so much see, information. Look, if you could see, if you could see Audra right now and I, it's like, yes, yes, yes. And yes. Mm-hmm. And more. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So I, I, I just feel like this, I'll just add, I just feel like this is all, if I could go back, we could all have a thing. If I could go back and do things differently, I would. Right. So this is through being imperfect. This is through having done years of thinking the wrong way. This is through, you know, my, by my own fault and my own mistakes, or maybe even with good intentions, other people's and faults and mistakes that have, that have tried to, you know, instill things in me. And then by the grace of whoever, like the good people that have tried to, to instill things in me. So this is all like in hindsight, right. Of wishing I would have, could have, should have, and then trying to do better from here moving forward. And then just trying to give the new people the benefit of not having to, there's a certain things they're going to have to figure out and process on their own in their own way, in their own journey. But if I can, in some way, you know, give them the cheat code for a lot of this stuff that, that, you know, that, that might trip them up along the way, then that's really what my role is. Yeah. 100%. All right. We're going to switch gears because this is what you came here for the real conversation. We want to talk about the male and female ego and the double standard of sexual sexualization in the fire service. Okay. Uh, Yeah, this is a, this is not a drill. This is not a drill. (laughs) This is not a joke and this is not a game. Yeah. So obviously in the climate we're in now, there's, there's a lot of aspects to this. Um, my partner, she's a firefighter as well too. So let's just, let's just add that into this. And so we have a lot of conversations about men and women in the fire service and, and, uh, double standards and, and all these things. And we were literally this morning, not even, she came home talking about it, not even knowing what we were going to talk about today about the difference in double standards and sexualization of people in the workplace. And we were, we were sort of dialoguing about it. I'm like, Oh my God, this is perfect. You're totally warming me up for what we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah, so in the climate today, there's a lot about toxic masculinity and, uh, I think personally, so I'm going to speak to it personally from how I've, I've processed it and felt it. Um, cause I'm, I am the first one to turn the mirror on myself and say, okay, am I these things? Am I doing these things? Where can I improve? Where can I change? What toxic behavior or not toxic behaviors? What, where have I tripped up? How could I have treated people better? And, you know, my, not that you want to carry shame or guilt for the rest of your life, but I think we need to own like when we weren't the best we could be, when we said something we should have, shouldn't have, when we did something we shouldn't have, and we've all made mistakes. So, um, you know, to speak about on this topic and again, paint this picture, like I've always figured out is, is again, the farthest thing from the truth. And let's just be honest about being human. So, um, but processing this, uh, the climate of like toxic masculinity, and I, I thought a lot about male ego and how, whenever male ego is discussed, it is discussed in a negative light. Saying male ego instantly makes you feel it's negative. Like there's, that's just how it's defined. And then I thought, well, we never hear the term female ego used. And then, but if we say female ego, is that instantly then seen as right and good and best? And that's the ideal right? And, and to me, humanizing things, like I'm a huge proponent for equality of opportunity. Like I think everybody should have equal opportunity to do and get whatever they want. I Equal opportunity. 
So I think if we're going to go strive for true equality, which is what we should be all striving for in this messy time we're in, is getting to true equality, then it's okay to talk about imbalances on the other side of the thing too. And we need to be careful that we don't instantly have the knee-jerk reaction of saying, well, you're bringing this up because you're trying to, you know, distract from talking about this topic, like the other side of it, like this needs to be heard. I'm like, yeah, it all needs to be heard. So let's just all give us, you know, that benefit of the doubt that everyone can get airtime and everything can get equal attention. And we don't need to say, well, you're distracting from this. So I think it's fair to say, like, do we know what female ego looks like? Uh, what are the negative aspects aspects of female ego? Like, where does that come in? Do we even know what that is? Will we know it when we see it? Like, we know what toxic masculinity looks like, right? Just like we know what fascism looks like and, you know, the far right looks like. And, but we don't, do we know what the other end looks like? Because it's it's equally as, keep equally as damaging. So I don't necessarily have all the answers for these questions, but it's just sort of the way I chew on things. And I need to, I flip the script on a lot of things and it helps me give perspective on the initial topic. And then it obviously opens up other doors of, of things I haven't thought about. So for me, I was thinking about this and then we obviously started, I think it was through an IG post and I made a comment and then we got on this like perfect conversation. So I think this is what led into us talking, which is, which is phenomenal. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a, so we see an ego in the male and ego in the female, and, but we don't necessarily see ego in the female. So what is that and how is it negative and how can we improve on that? And I think then it opens up the full table of issues and then we can talk about them all. So, um, yeah, as far as women in the fire service, again, it's, it's, this is not about, you know, what your gender is. This is about, are you a good firefighter? Or are you not? That's literally what this comes down to. And I'm sorry, could you if, say that if again? guys, <laughs> I'm sorry. If, what did you say? If, and you know what? If if a guy thinks that he's automatically innately good at this job just because he has something between his legs, that's also a load of shit. Oh so my god! I love that's you right now. That's incredibly dangerous <laughs> to think that like there are so many guys that do not belong, right? That have no rights, or or they could they could live up they could live up to the potential that they think they have. But they think because they just show up and they are what they are, that they'll rise to the occasion when the time comes. And I'm like, you can't even rise off the couch, let alone rise to the occasion. So, you know, where's the standard? Like you have no standard for yourself, yet you're, you're hyper, hyper critical of like the other people coming in and, and, and women that could crush you if they even, if they even didn't even try. So, but again, a, a woman cannot be suited for the job. And a guy cannot be suited for the job. Like it's just about are you suited for the job or are you not? Yeah. So let's just let's just make sure we make that very very clear that when I'm critical of like what I feel we should hold to as standards for the job and who should be there and who should not, that there is no there is no part of me that has gender on my mind when I talk about that. It, um, that do you that, think? Do you think that? So we talk, we've talked about this on our podcast previously, women over-sexualizing firefighters. Let's just talk about yes. like yeah. the New York City Fire Department's sure. calendar, yeah. right? 
Okay. So I, I can talk about this from even personal experience. Cause like when I was new, our department was doing calendars. I was in those calendars. Like, so, and we're not doing, we're not doing any of us any favors. Like when I look back on it, I'm like, well, the guys are, again, we're getting into the, the difference between the sexualization of men versus women, where it's, it is almost seen as okay if women sexualize men. It's just seen as like, it's just why? Because, well, they they love it and they're all okay with it. Really, like if we flip that again and we say, well, women that are dressed like this, they're all okay with it. As soon as you put an all okay with it on it, that's where you're going wrong. <laughs> Unless you're express, explicitly told that they're okay with whatever you think they're okay with, they're not, you don't assume that they're okay with it. So but, you know, you get firefighters getting up on stage and we're taking our shirts off. It's like, but you can then flip that to, well, what if a woman, you know, is is working a, as, you know, an exotic dancer? Like, does that autom- automatically make it okay to treat her and speak to her a certain way? So, again, put it in context, right? Flip the script. So just because we were there and some guys may be feeding into it, they may want that and project that, right? And then that feeds into, into that um that uh uh narrative that this is okay this is all fine and men are seen as predators and women are seen as prey and innocent and it all comes from a place of fun it's all fun and harmless when women do it but it's not fun and harmless when men do it and so you know you get women that you know especially even like this is what we were talking about this morning is that you know calendars going on and, and women that may be 20 30 years older than the firefighters commenting and grabbing and just like just buying into this whole like um, theater that 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 goes on in that environment, and if you flip those genders, people would lose their jobs and their yeah. lives. Like if a fifty-year-old man did that to a twenty-five-year-old woman, it doesn't age doesn't even matter. I'm just putting that that exact that example in context. It would not fly. So what I'm trying to drive at here is again, getting back to true equality is like if, if an, if an action and a behavior is not okay, and we're all going to understand that is it, then the action and behavior shouldn't matter what gender or age there is involved in it. It just is not okay. Right. So it shouldn't be okay for women to be okay with sexualizing men. Right. And we all just accept that. And then if the reverse isn't true, which it isn't true. So then that makes the other one not true as well. 100%, 100%. This is what you came here for. Like, yeah. It's not yeah. a drill, and, people. And you know what? Again, I have to own the fact that I, you know, I'm 23. I get on the fire department, like the, the instant identity. I mean, oh my God, this is something. Do you have like- a Tacoma? <laughs> <laughs> this is like, this is like, um, you know, being, being a senior firefighter isn't something that you just say you are, you just are. It is a way of being, right? It's, it is a way of being and existing. So uh, with firefighters too, right? Like you get, especially if you get someone with like low self-esteem and no identity, and this is what the military does too, right? If you don't have an identity, we'll give you one, right? So firefighter is instant identity. Like you put that on and then you also don't realize that that was earned by every generation before you, that blood, sweat, and tears that earned that, that feeling or that sense that the community has of you. So you join up, you've been there for, you haven't even been there for a cup of coffee, as we say, and 
you know, you're uh, going out to get food and people are thanking you for your service and telling you how amazing you are because you risk your life every day. And it's like, you're, you're wearing, you're at a costume party right now. You're not, you're not a firefighter. <laughs> like you haven't done anything yet. So firefighter is something that happens to you. And I think I also learned that it's like, it takes a long, long time until you actually are that thing. Like you become that through the process. You don't become that by just being given the title. And but then again, if you don't, if you just get told that so often that you're like, huh, well, I guess they are true. I guess I am amazing. I guess I am yeah. here. I guess I am. I guess I am entitled. I guess I am different. Like you just, everyone's feeding into it and it's this negative feedback loop. And then we find ourselves where we are. So I would rather like, I, I just, you know, looking back and looking forward is important. And I think we need to look at these ways of being and what traditions from the old old school that we need to carry forward and we have traditions that we need to, to jettison and get rid of yes but, um the, the 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 cherry on this is that the public has no idea what we do you can go to a fire and you know you you lose the house and they're like thank you so much for coming and you guys were so oh my god you guys were great it's like they have no idea that we could have done way better and way more effective that we were poorly trained or we didn't care really care about the job or like i'm not talking it as a service this is the way we are there's a war going on really between the people that are trying to hold on to this job and carry it forward for what it is to do honor to the to, to the previous generations and there's those that are seeming to like discard it all and then rebuild this into something that's that's going to eventually crumble like i, I worry that we're the generation that's going to lose the, the fire service so this is part of why i'm so passionate about it my husband says the public the has no idea yeah public has no idea what we do so then yep. they also feed into this every time we show up no matter what we do no matter how fit or unfit we are we're awesome yeah. it's like you know what we're not and we can do better and we have to start living up to that i think one of the coolest things that i've ever heard one of my kids teachers say is Failure is a requirement, Oof. right? Because if you're not failing, you can't be better. You can't, you can't improve yourself if you don't fail. Yeah. That's, that, that's a growth mindset. You're talking growth about. mindset. And I, I think teaching that to the next generation is where we're going to strengthen the fire department, teaching you that you're not just a hero because you showed up to work today. That's right. not heroic, yeah. <laughs> right. right? The hero comes from doing the work doing the inner work not the outward work the inner stuff that's where it comes from yep. and so like that message right there that you just gave is everything yeah, everything. You, yeah. you you know there, there are a lot of other people doing amazing cooler jobs than than ours <laughs> right like, not I mean, glamorous I'm work sure, people i'm sure i'm sure when you're in sick kids and you're handing your child over to have an incredibly dangerous difficult uh, um, operation that you're glad a firefighter isn't doing it right like, yeah I, like, I would like the surgeon to be doing it <laughs> right? yeah i mean and and here's something is like we have no idea and what's going on here and you do and like like how I mean, really, I mean, and then you get into like doctors and God complex, but I mean, what we're, what we're talking about here is having that we have in a sense, this God complex as firefighters, maybe I'm not in the same level, maybe on the worst level. I don't, I don't know. I haven't really, that's the first time I've said that I haven't really pulled that apart, but this is what we're talking about, right? You're having a fantastical idea of what your job is and who you are. And you're almost fitting yourself into this role right. instead of really finding out who you are and what you are going to be in this job. You are trying, you are turning, you're hitting the easy button 
and just being what everyone else is telling you you should be and could be. And then, and then you could wake up one day and maybe you don't, maybe you're asleep the entire time, but it's almost like this lullaby that soothes everybody and just makes life easy. Um, yeah. But then again, you see a lot of firefighters struggling with, uh, you know, unhealthy ways to cope. So something's obviously going on there that, that under, under the surface that they don't know about. Right. The saying my husband says it all the time, a hundred years of progress impeded by tradition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, I, and I think I, what I'm, I, I would sort of temper that with, we should be progress and tradition. Yes. Yep. There's, there's and I'm, I'm, about, I'm about discarding what the previous generation might have done better and really holding on and caring for what was done right and maybe bringing some of it back. Yeah. So we don't lose it forever. And then the next generation needs to do that with us. Yeah. Because, yes. because we're this generation now, this is the, the, you know, the fault of a lot of generations. We think we're the one that has it all figured out and we're not going to make any mistakes because we right. have ABNC, but we're going to make the same screw ups or different, different screw ups too. So let's just own that, do the best you can. And the next generation can carry forward. They need to carry forward. That's like the biggest thing, the biggest problem I have with past practice, right? Well, we did it before, so we should keep doing it. Yeah. Well, just, yeah, just because you did it before doesn't mean it was done well. Right. Yeah. Or that it, it was right. Mean it can be improved, right? There's or it doesn't mean it doesn't, or it can't, it can't be improved, or maybe we just need to scrap it all together because it just didn't work. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, you, you can also romanticize that and say, well, well, if the older days were always better, then let's go back to bucket brigades and firefighters fighting in the right. streets over what, like, how far back do you want to go? Do you want to go back to no fire department? Is that better? Like, right. obviously things are better now than they've ever been. Yes. Right? Um, as far as, you know, equipment and, and training and opportunity and information being available, like we're, we're we are improving. Like, I don't want to be all doomsaying. Like we are improving at an exponential rate. Um, in a lot of areas, but it's just about talking about the areas that we need to keep improving on. And that's, I think as long as we have that growth mindset and we're having the conversations for me, I like to, I like to break things into a million pieces. And then if I can put it back together and it's the same thing that I broke apart, then we obviously know we, it still works and we should keep it. But if you break it apart and you rebuild it and you're like, you realize you don't need three or four parts and it's this new, better thing. Well, then now you have a new, better thing. And that goes, that goes down to how you do peer support and how you mentor and how you see the job. Like it's all these other things. Just keep breaking it apart once in a while and like examining and being okay with letting certain go things go and adding new things in. And if that new thing doesn't work, then take it out. Like just get out of this. Like, yeah, it's always been that way. So let's keep doing it. It's like, well, you know, there's a time where we didn't have dental hygiene too. Should, should we have like not brought that in? I think we're better for it. <laughs> My God, I love you. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> okay. So with your permission, I want to read the email that you sent us. Um, the something to consider email. Yeah, sure. hundred percent, please. Okay. So yeah. I want to read it because this is going to segue into our next podcast interview with you. Okay. Um, and I, I, I just want to say before you start, I think this ties into, uh, I think it's rule 45. Let me see here. I'll just kind of scroll to it quickly so I can. Um, yeah. Rule 45 is your fire department isn't Tinder. Oh. Yes. And okay. that is actually why I invited you on the show because you said that in the Instagram comment. And I'm like, Ding. yes. Yeah. 100%. So I think the, the email I just sent you is sort of an expanded version of rule 45, which is, which is, which is what is, this is all about. Like these rules are like the dis- distillation of an idea, but we right. can really most of them, we can blow up into larger discussions. So yeah, please go ahead and read the email. So here's what <clears throat> I was sent this morning. Here is something to consider. Workplace romances are not unique to a specific industry, but when it comes to firefighting and EMS, 
Married men that aren't on dating sites are actively looking, looking and won't physically cheat. Have young, fit, ambitious, intelligent women that probably wouldn't give them the time of day forced to be with them and interact for 24 hours or longer, multiple times a month. And the crew isn't always focused on work. There is downtime, meals being made and eaten, TV and movies being watched, conversations are being had, activities can be planned outside of work as as a crew or with enough other firefighters around that partners at home won't outright not approve of because it's not just them and the female firefighter. Now, if the female firefighter is a rookie and the firefighters in question are senior to them, then there is a power imbalance that can be used to their advantage as well. It's normal for rookies to want to fit in and be accepted more than anything else, even more so for new female firefighters. So now you have a new female firefighter that won't push back on unwanted attention and attend activities that they may not want to otherwise. And this feeds into the older firefighters ego. There are also plenty of firefighters that are on the dating scene and are actively looking. And again, the flow and length of the shift and the shift schedule make it prime ground for hookups and relationships. On the female firefighters end of things, if there is any desire at all to date or there are stresses in their current relationship at home, there is no shortage of men around them that will play the perfect option. And like I addressed before, there is an ample time to get to know them on a dating level. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have you back for another episode and we're going to discuss all of that. So come back. <laughs> I would love to. We're just going to leave it. We're just going to leave it on that note. And we're going to let that sink in with our listeners. Just let it simmer. Just let it simmer. Maybe go ahead and listen to our past podcasts um, about badge bunnies. That was a hot topic because that's where this really all got started. Um, This conversation with Scott was that episode that we recorded and how it's very um, easy. It's very easy. Yep. We're we're not going to even, we're not going to have you respond to that, Scott. We're going to cut it off here and we're going to make everybody come back and listen to the next one. So thank you for being with us today. Again, if you guys want to learn more about Scott, you can find his website, multiplecallspodcast.squarespace.com. And you can also follow him on Instagram at, at multiplecallspodcasts. Thanks for listening. You guys always leave us a review so we um, can bump up on the, on the, why can I algorithm today? Thank you. My God. Google, <laughs> Google loves your reviews. It helps Google find us. It does. So yes. yes. Thank you, Chelsea, for being my words. Um, Scott, thank you so much. We can't wait to have you back to talk more about all of the good stuff. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. Find us on social media at Dear Chiefs Podcast and online at DearChiefs.com. Tune in weekly for the 25,000-foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. (laughs) 